This episode of the Kill Innovations Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. You can become a supporter by visiting shop.filmmckinney.com and making a contribution. Your support helps defray the cost to produce, host, and stream the show. As always, any profits are donated to charities such as hackingautism.org. I'm Phil McKinney, and welcome to Season 11 of the Kill Innovations Podcast, a show about ideas, creativity, and innovation. In the middle of the Second World War, James Wright was hard at work, trying to invent a synthetic rubber substitute. He was employed by the U.S. War Production Board, who was very interested in cheaper options for rubber as the war had led to severe shortages. During World War II, Japan had invaded the rubber-producing countries. Rubber was vital for the production of rafts, tires, vehicles, aircraft parts, gas masks, and boots. In the U.S., all rubber products were rationed. Citizens were encouraged to make the rubber products last until the end of the war and to donate spare tires, boots, and coats. When I was little, my dad would set me down and tell me stories of what it was like to be a kid during World War II and the rationing of gasoline, food, and especially rubber. He and his friends, as part of their Boy Scout troop, would go door-to-door asking their neighbors to donate their old boots and tires so they could be used for the war efforts. My grandmother shared stories of growing her victory garden in the backyard and then sharing the results with people who were struggling. Both my father and grandmother considered themselves incredibly lucky when compared to others who went through during the war. As you can imagine, the pressure to come up with an alternative to rubber was intense. Hundreds of experiments were made in laboratories across the country. In one such experiment, Wright had added boric acid to silicon oil and created a substance that stretched when pulled slowly, but snapped if it was pulled too quickly. It would bounce off the floor and off the walls. It had a high melting temperature and it never became moldy. Now, while the characteristics and the properties were interesting, it was not a viable substitute for rubber. Said another way, his innovation effort was a total failure, given the objective to find a viable substitute for rubber. Now, Wright knew he had created something interesting, but he could not find any practical use for it. So rather than just putting on the shelf and giving up on it, He sent it out to other scientists to see if anyone else could think of something the substance would be good for. Those that received those first samples went on and shared them with others. Scientists sending samples to other scientists who sent it on to others. All in the search to see if it had any practical use. Unfortunately, while many people were intrigued by its characteristics and scientists found themselves fiddling with it, no practical uses emerged. That was until one of the samples made it to a toy store owner who saw its potential as a toy. That is how the unintended consequence of a failure to create a rubber substitute led to the toy store owner, Ruth Falgetti, to market the bouncing putty by selling it in clear cases. Thus, Silly Putty was born. Wright had the persistence necessary to pursue a failed idea. 
Even though he wasn't sure what he had invented, he knew it must be something special. We all could take a lesson from Silly Putty. Namely, how can you transform a failure and see new opportunities for it? So did Wright's invention end at Silly Putty? No. After its success as a toy, other uses were found. In the home, it's even used today to remove substances such as dirt and lint and pet hair or ink off the wall or various surfaces in the house. The material's unique properties also found niche in the medical and scientific applications. Physical therapists use it for the rehabilitative therapy of hand injuries. A number of other brands such as Power Putty and Theraputty alter the material's properties to offer different levels of resistance. Because of its adhesive characteristics, it was used by the Apollo astronauts to secure their tools in zero gravity. And hobbyists found a use for the putty in the making of scale models. What will they think of next? If you enjoyed today's show, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. You can find all the links and resources from this episode, along with every other episode going back to 2005 at filmmckinney.com. Just click on podcast. I would love to hear your feedback, such as your thoughts on the new format for the show, topics you would like covered, or any questions you might have. Ping me on Twitter at Phil McKinney, all one word, or on LinkedIn or Facebook. You can find links to where I hang out on social media at PhilMcKinney.com. And as always, thanks for listening.